Uh, I myself did not uh, quite understand the depth and the breadth of the forces behind it until I, de I read this book, uh, Wokeism. Now, I've been talking to various people, I've been puzzled by this phenomenon because one had never heard of it uh, until two, three years ago. Uh, now, as he rightly said, this is a reinvented Marxism, but Marxism uh, took about 100 years or more uh, to be discussed and absorbed and, and become part of political systems uh, and uh, be part of your intellectual consciousness, but wokeism in two, three years. I'm deeply honored actually that <clears throat> Rajiv asked me to be a panelist uh, for the launch of his book. We met uh, uh, some years ago when he came to speak to us at the Saturday Club and I was very impressed by what he said and his views on uh, the situation uh, that uh, exists in terms of uh, India's uh, image and position in the world and the forces that are working to break up India. That was after he had written the first book. Um, I came, I was out of the country, I came back yesterday and this book was lying <laughs> on my table. And I looked at it and I was a bit, uh, how should I say, <laughs> intimidated by its size. Uh, but then somehow, because of telepathy or whatever, uh, I thought, let me read the introduction, the forewords, and the conclusions, uh, which uh, actually give you a very good idea of uh, what this book contains. And he's absolutely right in saying that uh, each chapter uh, is self-contained, and you can start anywhere and read it, which I did. I sort of browsed through a book and uh, uh, and absorbed the central points that this uh, book makes. Uh, even before this uh, book was written and I read it, uh, I have myself been feeling that uh, we are under attack internationally. Our civilization is under attack, our social system is under attack, our political system is under attack. There is a lot of probing of fault lines, uh, social fault lines in India by foreign uh, sociologists and columnists. Uh, there is the denigration of Indian uh, democracy, whether it is Freedom House or VDAM, uh, uh, or focusing on religious intolerance in India by the US uh, Commission for International Religious Freedoms. There's constant attacks uh, by New York Times, Washington Post, um, The Economist, uh, the BBC, France 24, Le Monde, uh, Financial Times, uh, was WSJ. Uh, all these papers have a particular narrative. Uh, and this narrative is constantly uh, promoted uh, internationally. And I must tell you that a uh, lot of people who are not familiar with India uh, do not, they are, they are educated people, they, are, they have some notion of world affairs, but they are not specialists uh, of international relations or they don't know India that well. But when they see such writings in reputable uh, publications, foreign affairs I'll also include, <laughs> uh, then they form an idea uh, of India. 
And I've seen in my travels abroad and talking to people um, and the questions they ask, there is a general feeling that India has got a Hindu nationalist right-wing government and there is a, a maltreatment of uh, minorities, Christians and Muslims. Uh, uh, even those who are generally sympathetic towards India and, and have, uh, uh, how should I say, uh, are not, are not um, in any way uh, have any animosity towards uh, the country. Um, do have this negative perception of India because of this narrative that has been uh, built. Uh, I myself did not uh, quite understand the depth and the breadth of the forces behind it until I, re I read this book. Uh, Wokeism. Now, I've been talking to various people, I've been puzzled by this phenomenon because one had never heard of it uh, until two, three years ago. Uh, now, as he rightly said, this is a reinvented Marxism, but Marxism uh, took about 100 years or more uh, to be discussed and absorbed and, and become part of political systems uh, and uh, be part of your intellectual consciousness. But wokeism in two, three years uh, has, has become um, a force uh, to, to reckon with in terms of uh, uh, how uh, this is affecting uh, attitudes uh, of people, of societies, towards things that we hold fundamental and sacred identity or, fa or families or, uh, or your sexual identity and stuff like that. Some of the things that are well explained in, in, in this book. Uh, it is remarkable uh, how this has uh, grown in uh, as a, as a intellectual force in the in the United States, and has spread from there uh, to the rest of the world. Though, mind you, there is a lot of resistance that is building up. And the latest, in a sense, is uh, the election of the Italian Prime Minister. <laughs> and if you read what he has said, uh, it's a direct attack on wokeism. The, that you are denying my identity as a woman, as a mother, uh, uh, my sex, my religion, etc. She lays out the entire gamut of uh, what a person is and in terms of how that woke, how wokeism is, uh, wants to destroy that. Uh, in France, I know, uh, I heard President Macron a year, year and a half ago say in public that uh, he has instructed his education minister uh, to look into this phenomenon, because we don't want uh, this, he didn't use the word poison, uh, but that this movement to, uh, to get, uh, uh, to spread in our universities, in our education uh, system, because uh, these issues of race and, I, and, uh, and uh, are alien, the manner in which they are being discussed in the United States, are alien to our society and will cause more divisions in our society. So he said, I'm asking my education minister to look at look into this carefully to see that this infection uh, doesn't spread. And of course, you have people like Viktor Orban in Hungary and others who, who understand what this uh, phenomenon uh, is about. I was amazed the other day when on television I saw a professor, a black professor, from an American university who was testifying 
before the U.S. Senate. And uh, she used the word child-bearing humans. So the senator said, you mean a woman? She said, well, there you are sexist. Huh? This is precisely what we are fighting against. But he says, but a man can't uh, bear, a, bear, a, bear a child. So it has to be a woman. So what's wrong with that? Why I'm being sexist and anti-feminist or whatever. But she stood her ground. And in fact, she was as impolite as she could be uh, to the senator. I don't know if you saw that, but it's quite, quite instructive. This is the degree to which this poison has uh, spread in the United States and is affecting the minds of uh, so many people. Now, in this book, uh, um, 800 pages, as was, as was said, but uh, there are about 150, 200 pages of, uh, of bibliography and uh, index. Uh, the bibliography is itself about 60 pages, which just goes to show how much work has gone into this, how much works have been looked at and studied uh, and what is in this book actually uh, has taken into account what the literature uh, on, the, on the subject is. So therefore, it's a very authoritative uh, book, a very seminal work, work in terms of uh, sensitizing all of us as to the challenges uh, that we face. The book is also pretty uh, brutal in some ways, uh, in the sense that uh, the manner in which it is uh, putting the spotlight on some of our billionaires who are part of this process of uh, dismantling India inadvertently or, or otherwise. Uh, he's also discussed what their motivations uh, could be uh, in doing what they are doing. I personally don't think that they are totally oblivious of, uh, of the downside of what they are, what they are doing. So uh, what is impelling them, I, I can't say, but he's We've got a chapter on Anand Mehta and postmodernism, Lakshmi Mittal and social justice, uh, Piramal's Harvard University's gateway to <laughs> India. So there are separate uh, chapters uh, on that. Uh, there is uh, there are chapters on debating India's uh, cultural legitimacy in the United States, the Americanization of caste. Rajiv showed you some books that have been written on the subject. Uh, the Indian Americans equated with white racists, uh, then attacking meritocracy at the IITs. A separate book has been written on that. The rise of Afro Dalits. Uh, and the Harvard Vishwaguru, the Harvard has now become the Vishwaguru, uh, promoted by the Indian billionaires themselves. Uh, the China's Trojan uh, horse in America, which is also active in India, and he's mentioned that uh, particular body. Um, and then the importance of investigating Harvard University, uh, the Harvard Kennedy School, and the role it plays in, uh, in geopolitics, the Harvard Business School, uh, the, uh, the hypocrisy on human rights. And then uh, I had in my own notes uh, mentioned Ashoka University and this and that, because I had this in mind because incidentally, it is anecdotal, it's not as serious an observation as the observation in these books. I was asked to go and deliver a lecture there, which I did. And I wanted to use the toilet, but it was a unisex toilet, both for <laughs> boys and girls. Uh, so I was a bit sort of, I mean, embarrassed 
that I should go into something. I said, well, why do you do that? What's the problem? You don't have any space problem, just have a separate toilet for, for women. But he says, well, this is how it is. We promote liberalism. Now, it's just a small indication of the kind of mindset that is, uh, that is being nurtured and, and developed in our country through these liberal universities who ape Harvard or American uh, universities. Um, he has a chapter on Aziz Premji's media and educational impact on Godrej and queering. <laughs> uh, and then I, I didn't know that, I never heard the name before, but it's apparently an Iranian foundation, Omidyar. Uh, they have a very big network, investment network in India. Um, and it's working as, according to the book, as a Trojan horse in India. All these things need to be looked at very carefully. And I hope our national, you mentioned national security. I hope people who are uh, uh, looking at our national security issues uh, would look at this more closely and find out what these networks are, uh, what is the ideology they are promoting, how they are doing it. And in this connection, something the book has said, which is, which is, which I had not thought of, but which is important. And he said that, look, when it comes to charity organizations or foundations who are sending money into India, there is the FCRA. And therefore, you can monitor them. You can ask them as to the source of money, how it is spent. There's accountability. But when it comes to foreign investment, mm -hmm. there's no accountability. Uh, so the foreign investment can come along with certain other things uh, which, are, which then promote a certain ideology and a certain uh, social, uh, uh, you know, some ideas about how society should be, should be uh, uh, developed and reformed and, uh, and what have you. And that's where Omidyar Network and all those who are investing as to what is it that they're bringing along with this. And in this connection, Again, something which all of us need to understand better, this ESG business, environmental, social justice, and governance. That these uh, ESG uh, ideas or parameters uh, are being uh, brought into uh, the uh, business, brought into business and investment. So then when foreign investors come into, the, into this country, it's not purely a business thing it gets into these other things of social justice and environmental thing and everything else. Um, and then what happens then is since we are avid for foreign investment, we want foreign investment to come in, we don't want to create barriers. And if they bring this baggage with them, then they can indirectly start fashioning our own society according to their norms uh, and their values. And we won't perceive that easily. And we are in a dilemma as a country, if you, we feel that if you want to develop, we must get more investment. We're very happy to say we got $57 billion, $80 billion, $100 billion of foreign investment. But I think one needs also to look at what is happening uh, in terms of uh, the baggage that comes along with this investment. Um, and in this connection, there is a, uh, I'm sure Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum are not particularly fond of you <laughs> because there is a detailed uh, chapter on Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum uh, and what they are up to. Uh, they are, in fact, uh, uh, they, are, they, are they are promoting wokenism. They want to dismantle the current structures 
of society. Uh, and um, then they're creating a global elite that will most benefit from this and exploit this by using artificial intelligence. So as we see already that uh, the big tech companies are accumulating such enormous wealth. And since we are entering into a technological era of artificial intelligence, so these tech companies are going to dominate and they will be the biggest uh, beneficiaries of uh, what is going to happen. I was very struck by the phrase uh, of our friend uh, uh, Klaus Schwab that uh, to be happy is to own, own, to own nothing. Uh, I, he's not a sannyasi. <laughs> he's not advocating that. But you, you see the thought behind this, that we're going to look after you. You don't have to worry about anything. Everything will be predetermined for you. You're not going to own anything. We're going to own you, and we'll ensure that you are happy and depend on us for your happiness. And hence the concept of the universal basic income. As if uh, in every country you can have universal basic income. Who will transfer funds? Who will transfer money uh, to ensure that 1.3 billion people in India have a universal basic income, which has some relationship uh, to the uh, um, minimum wage in, uh, in Europe or in America, or particularly in Europe. But, but these are the kind of uh, dangers that, uh, that lie ahead. Finally, uh, a few thoughts. Coincidentally, he also talks about how the World Economic Forum is uh, training young global leaders. And they have a program of young global leaders. And they are picking up uh, people from India and from various countries who will then absorb and be their, their ideology and work for it. Uh, and uh, uh, he mentions that uh, Stalin from uh, Tamil Nadu and Jagan Reddy from Andhra Pradesh are very much working with the WEF. But I was surprised he said that even Sri Ravi Shankar and Sadhguru also, so you can see the, how the tentacles have spread and how they have created for themselves the tools for fashioning India uh, the way they, they want. And my thoughts are that, you know, we are ourselves embarked uh, on a digital revolution and very proud of the fact that we have made uh, tremendous advances in this field. And there are obvious benefits, uh, direct better, direct uh, transfer. Of benefit, direct benefit schemes and this and that. The, the uh, UDI is now uh, actually something which uh, the developing world admires and wants India uh, to come and help them and set the same thing, same thing up. Uh, it's a different matter that Bill Gates also <laughs> is very positive about this. And Nandan Nilikani, as you said, has also been working uh, with the WEF and all that. Uh, now, uh, how do we reconcile uh, if we are entering into a situation where uh, we are going to be digitally controlled? And then we ourselves uh, are expanding the digitalization of our country and see the value of this. Now, can this digitalization remain uh, unconnected with the rest of the digital world? Uh, I don't think that is going to be easy or possible. So there is a great problem of managing, uh, managing this. 
there is of course this whole problem of the not problem the english language uh, if you were chinese you will not be exposed to everything else but we since uh, we we are an english speaking country at the level of the elites uh, so we are open to um, ideas that emanate from the anglosphere we have 200000 uh, students who are in the american universities and we say that as a matter of pride that we got so many students who are uh, who are studying in those uh, uh, universities uh, so this is a big uh, conduit for all the ideas that uh, should worry us all the movements that should worry us this english language is a huge conduit uh, for that and then of course our democracy what do we do with our democracy we are open we are open to the world we can't close ourselves and other countries will take advantage of our democratic setup and use that in order to penetrate our political and social systems as they are doing uh um there is a uh the us is our biggest partner now in, in so many areas we want to learn so much uh, uh, from them incidentally he mentioned quite rightly that uh uh this new technocratic world and esg and everything else is going to be uh, in a sense monitored uh, by pricewaterhouse uh, by deloitte uh, by all these cons- american consulting agencies they're going to look at uh, uh, companies what they're doing in terms of esg even they want to extend it to venture capital uh, so that money flows will be conditioned by how these investors and venture capitalists actually promote the ideas that that are emanating from uh, this critical race theory and the wokeism and everything else uh, i had myself i think somebody mentioned carnegie yes you mentioned carnegie and brookings i had myself noted that and now we added asia society when i was in washington i saw the operation of the asia society very anti indian uh great problems we had at that time kashmir issue was boiling and asia society was most unhelpful i will not go into details of that uh, but uh, we just <laughs> we just opened allowed them to open an office and incidentally it's the indian industrialists who are financing carnegie and everything else money is not coming from washington either uh, there is our english press and i have been saying that why does our english press indian express times of india hindustan times they keep publishing articles by ashutosh varshini or christopher shafralo uh, probing india's fault lines and telling us about ourselves as if we don't understand where we are heading we are directing discussions and discourse and thinking along along certain lines and our press is uh, very very uh, accommodating uh finally uh is america declining if america is declining then um, how how much uh, this wokeism and critical race theory will retain its force uh should we wish that america declines <laughs> in order that we prosper <laughs> but uh, there is this issue uh, and then there are forces that are developing with china and and russia uh, which are not going to accept this kind of wokeism in fact putin is very openly openly against this he is now differentiating between the slavic civilization 
and the European civilization. And one of the issues is LGTB and nonsense like that. Uh, he, he talks about it. Uh, I'd also mentioned our judiciary in mind, which, which you mentioned. Anyway, I'll stop here because <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I think.